Hey queens, it's Zach. And Nina, and welcome to the second episode of our thankful series of Keep It Gay. A musical theater podcast. And this week we're back to musicals that I'm thankful for. And one of my other favorite musicals of all time is Hedwig and the Angry Inch. And I am thankful for that big gay musical. So that's what we're going to be doing this week. Why are you thankful for Hedwig? Tell us your experience. I mean, besides it being a big gay musical, the movie Hedwig and the Angry Inch was one of my favorite movies in high school and just really helped me not come to terms with who I am personally, but understand that there's all sorts of different ways of interpreting your gender identity. It was a little bit ahead of its time when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. And also I was able to see it in New York with John Cameron Mitchell from the original Broadway cast and the movie. Yeah. One of the creators too. Yeah, exactly. That was just really special. And then I saw it again with Neil Patrick Harris. So I saw it twice in New York, once with Neil Patrick Harris, once with John Cameron Mitchell, and I loved the movie when I was a kid. So it's just one of just one of my favorites. Yeah. So now I'm going to crush you and tell you that I really didn't like this. Really? Yeah. We're going to have to really get into it. I have no experience, no Mm -hmm. background in this musical. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just something you have to see live. There are musicals like that, that they are just 10 times better live than watching it on your own. I couldn't find the movie anywhere. I thought it was on HBO and then I couldn't access it. I couldn't find a bootleg. I couldn't find it anywhere. So I don't know how different the movie is from the musical, but I got to see a recording of the Neil Patrick Harris one and it just wasn't for me. It wasn't... What's my cup of tea? I will say it is a very niche musical. So it does. it's not a huge crowd-pleasing musical, but... I also think you you need to see John Cameron Mitchell do it because the show mm-hmm. it's like it's like seeing in the heights without Lynn Manuel Miranda. It's just not quite the same. Neil Patrick Harris does it. a great job in it, but I feel like in order to really understand the musical on a deeper level, you have to see John Cameron Mitchell do it. All right. I feel you. I feel you. So for our listeners that have no experience with Hedwig or don't know anything about it, why don't you give us a brief synopsis of Hedwig and the Angry Inch? Sure. So Hedwig and the Angry Inch is a musical about a self-professed girly boy named Hansel Schmidt, who is an East German rock singer who's stuck in East Berlin and marries this sergeant that's in love with him named Luther Robinson. Uh, He's an American soldier. And in order to escape East Germany, he has to be basically be a woman like there is there's going to be, they say, a full physical inspection in order for him to leave East Germany. And so he has to get a sex change before he leaves. But the doctor botches the operation, leaving Hedwig with, as they say, an angry inch. Once the operation is botched, Hansel changes his name to Hedwig. And then once they get to America, Luther, the lieutenant, leaves Hedwig for another man. And Hedwig falls in love with this boy who then leaves Hedwig and steals all of her music and becomes a famous rock star with all of her music. So the musical is a show that Hedwig is doing at like a dive bar down the street from her ex, Tommy, who is now this big rock star performing in a stadium. So they're having concerts on the same night. So it's about Hedwig telling the story of how she got to America and how Tommy stole all of her music and became this big star in a dive bar down the street from Tommy doing a huge show. Yeah. 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 It's a a (laughs) tough one. All in an hour and a half. Yeah. All in an (laughs) hour. It's a tough one to summarize. Yeah, it really is. And it's it's one of those musicals where it's not quite a musical. I don't really know how you would 
hype it Mm -hmm. because it's like American Idiot where it's only like it's under two hours to get done. So there's no intermission. You're just doing it all from her point of view, the story. Right. Yeah. So Hedwig and the Angry Inch is obviously a rock musical. It's all rock music. The music and lyrics are by Stephen Trask, and the book is by John Cameron Mitchell, Mm -hmm. who Zach was talking about earlier. He went on to perform the role, but Mm -hmm. we'll get to that. So it is based on some true stories. So the character of Hedwig was inspired by a German-divorced U.S. Army wife who John Cameron Mitchell had as the family babysitter. She was also a sex worker in their hometown of Junction City, Kansas. So she is based on a true character. There's also a lot of aspects that he drew from his own experience. For example, a lot of the character of Tommy has to do with him. He had a father who was in the military, gay, obviously. A lot of the Roman Catholic symbolism that comes into it and mythology symbolism that comes into it. So he drew from a lot of his own personal experiences. So it's definitely a really personal piece for sure. And the musical, it's a pretty new musical in the grand scheme of things. The musical opened off Broadway on Valentine's Day, February 14th, 1998. What a romantic musical. (laughs) I know of all musicals to open on Valentine's Day, this one. And it closed on April 9th, 2000 after 857 performances. So again, relatively newer musical. There was a West End production in 2000 and then the movie came. So we had off Broadway, West End, then the movie in 2001. And John Cameron Mitchell adapted that one, directed it and starred in that. Mm -hmm. And it didn't show up on Broadway until 2014. It began its previews March 29th, 2014. It officially opened April 22nd, 2014. And of course, Neil Patrick Harris starred in it, as we had mentioned earlier. And that was a very successful Broadway run. A lot of stars came in and out of that production. Pretty well received, I believe, too. And that production closed September 13th, 2015, after 22 previews and 507 regular performances. So the off-Broadway ran a little bit longer, but I think it was just the time it was really that like grungy rock kind of musical that was really big in the late 90s. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely still big in, in 2015 and whatnot, but yeah still did well and that's really all the history it's so new it's (laughs) so funny to have a musical that's pretty much a baby in the grand scheme of musical theater yeah absolutely and it's such a niche musical too so it's not like it's not like some of the other musicals we've covered recently which had like 12 revivals it's just exactly it's just this one show yeah and this has had many it's very popular internationally it's toured in a million Mm -hmm. cities there's been a lot of productions of it across the sea. Yeah. We've had touring productions. Darren Chris led that touring production. Oh, I forgot so, about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It gets around. It definitely gets around. So let's talk Tonys. Yes. Let's talk Tonys. So in order to talk Tonys, I'm going to cheat a little bit and talk to our viewers about the Obie Awards. Because Hedwig opened off Broadway, it didn't get any Tony nominations, that first production, that original production. So for anyone who might not know, the Obie Awards will cover off Broadway and off off Broadway productions. It's still around. It originally started by the Village Voice newspaper. And in 2014, it merged with the American Theater Wing. So mm-hmm. there's still great awards. If you're off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway, getting an Obie Award is great. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I do want to mention that original production 
won the Obie Award and Outer Critics Circle Award for Best Off-Broadway Musical. And they were snubbed by the Drama Desk. Drama Desk, I couldn't even find for this Off-Broadway thing. I don't think Drama Desk covers Off-Broadway or Off-Off-Broadway. You know what? I don't know because I hate them. I know. Well, that's why I was like, should I even bring up the Obie Awards? <laughs> it's going to be like something dramatic <laughs> now that I'm going to trigger in Zach. <laughs> but I will, I will bring it back around, though. So that revival... How many awards do you think it was nominated for and how many do you think it won? I'm going to say because it's a niche musical, it was probably nominated for only a couple. I'm going to say it probably was nominated for five and won like two of them. So that 2014 revival was nominated for eight and won four. Oh, wow. That's actually better than I thought it was going to be. It got half of the awards. Yeah. Did Neil Patrick Harris win for Best Actor? I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, he got Best Leading Actor. They got Best Revival of a Musical. Best Featured Actress went to Lena Hall. Oh, right. Yeah, Lena Hall really mm-hmm. made her career on playing Yitzhak in this musical. Yeah, she vocally is a powerhouse yeah. for sure. Yeah. It did also win Best Lighting Design. Mm-hmm. It was nominated for Best Costume Design, Best Direction, Best Scenic Design, and Best Sound, but didn't get those. Lame. And it was two for two for the Drama Desk Award. Never heard of them. <laughs> who is best she? revival who is and best actor <laughs> who, who is she she can't sit with us <laughs> well i'm really excited to get into really queen corner with you. i i'm sure you have more than i do really queen <laughs> i have quite a few do you mind if i leave oh, please uh, go on <laughs> because i need you to be able to defend this musical okay, for okay. Me. i'm ready I'm okay ready. <laughs> so here's my first ish mm-hmm. is it a musical because it's almost like a stand-up show meets a concert meets a song cycle. It's like a weird hybrid show. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I would call this a musical. I see where you're coming from on that because the, all of the music is within the context of the of the performance. Like, it's, it's a, basically a play of a band's performance. Yeah. But I would say that it is a musical and maybe not as much in the stage production, but in the movie, it cuts to fantasy sequences a lot, which I don't think they mm. can do as much in the state. I wish you had seen the movie because in the movie, they cut to a lot of fantasy sequences that makes it feel much, much more like a musical. I feel like in the stage version, it's much more straightforward, like you're sitting at this performance of this band. Yeah. yeah. I get it as concept art. Mm-hmm. I get it. I just think I'm such a musical theater snob. I I am weird with immersive theater sometimes. Yeah. I'm not super I into call it. it immersive. And I, yeah, I don't know what I'd call it though. Like I just I would have liked to have seen a more traditional musical where all the stories he has about his mother in Luther in the botched surgery Mm -hmm. like I would have liked to have seen those played out with other actors yeah especially for emotional that's why I wish you had seen the movie because the they do that in the movie yeah I wish the stage play was like that I don't know yeah I just like that personally also the angry inch song too far (laughs) I mean that's the concept of the musical I get it but the lyrics are borderline grotesque yeah, absolutely like i absolutely. i get it there's a little bit of like body horror to it yeah, yeah. there's some shock value to mm-hmm. it and shock value to the lyrics which again i get that's the point and the concept but it's the only one uh, like of course hedwig is running around the stage being a big gay homo like i get right. that but it's just how like shocking and gratuitous the lyrics are for that song mm-hmm. and for none of the other songs to be like that yeah. it's like oh 
the sun's a little much. I get it though. You know, I get it. It just, it was just a little graphic for me, for my PG eyes and PG 13 right. ears. It was just right. a little much. Yeah. I love it. So that's of course what we're going to agree to disagree on that. But yeah, because I mean, I also think it just goes into building that character like they went through this sort of trauma. And yes, it is grotesque, but it's like it's just building on that, like where that character is coming from. That character like Hedwig wouldn't be Hedwig without that trauma happening to her. You know what I mean? I understand. Yeah, I get you. I get you. Also, how horrible is Hedwig to Yitza? Is that how you say? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to watch. Yeah, absolutely. It's so hard <laughs> I will to give watch. you that. I can't defend that. <laughs> I almost wonder, is Hedwig supposed to be more of an anti-hero? Because I almost feel like you're on this journey with mm-hmm. Hedwig in the beginning of where you're you're rooting for Hedwig. You're mad at the partner mm-hmm. for stealing the songs and you want Hedwig to like succeed in Hedwig's own way. But then Hedwig is just horrible to Hedwig's. So this is Hedwig's partner, Zach, if you want to kind of like explain that a little bit yeah, for our listeners. Yeah, basically it's Hedwig's new partner who it's kind of, the line is kind of blurred whether he's a trans man or it's just in the musical, it's a man being played by a woman. But the yeah, whole, always a the whole woman thing's kind of gender always playing a man. Yeah, 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 exactly. But they don't really outwardly define it. yeah. And this character shows up in the musical as Hedwig's backup singer, because like we said, there's really no characters. So the band is on the stage with the backup singers and the new lover is the backup singer and is incorporated throughout the plot Mm -hmm. is mentioned. Hedwig is constantly just abusing this character verbally. And you learn that Hedwig told this character to stop doing drag because he was too good at it. Right, 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 right. So he said, stop doing drag and then we can be together. You need to sacrifice this to be with me. And then, yes, at the end of the musical, there is a full circle moment where Hedwig passes her the wig and she gets to perform at the end. And it's a very powerful moment. But you're just sitting through the abuse. And it's I'm like, am I supposed to feel for Hedwig? Because I kind of feel like Hedwig's kind of a piece of shit yeah, right well, now. Well, and I think that also, I think part of it is to show that abuse is cyclical. Like Hedwig was abused mm. by these men and then now is carrying out that abuse on her partner. I also, I totally, I see what you mean about her being sort of an anti-hero because you only get her side of the story too. So yes. she's sort of an unreliable narrator in that way where there are mm-hmm. some things we were like, I think there might be more to this story and you don't really get the other side or the other point of view. I can definitely see where you're coming from on that. Thank yeah. you. I only have but one more. Okay. In the revival, there's this whole Hurt Locker, the musical gag <laughs> that keeps coming up. And I was not there that is very of its time that's not in the movie and this is another thing about the version that you watched every staging of this show is sort of there's a sort of an improv element to it and it's definitely adapted and i'll get into that a little bit more when we talk about bradley but Mm -hmm. uh there the hurt locker the musical was a joke that they put in that movie because i think hurt locker came out that year and it was also the time period on broadway where they were making every fucking movie into a musical so i think Mm -hmm. that joke played really well that year but it's even at this point sort of dated and doesn't really work as much yeah, it's definitely already dated, and I wonder what they would do five years from right. now when this production goes up again, right. whenever theater opens back up again. Right. It would probably be coronavirus, the musical. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a coronavirus <laughs> thing or a presidential thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I guess 
that keeps you on your toes as an audience mm-hmm. member. It is fun to see a show and have it not be the same every single right. time. I get that. But for it, it was just very prevalent in this production. Mm-hmm. I didn't need it to be a part of the story. I thought the story was interesting enough without having to explain why the set looked the way it looked. For our viewers that don't know what we're talking about, the set was supposed to be the old set for a Hurt Locker, the musical that got kicked out of the space and Hedwig got into the space. And there's all these jokes about it. Okay, well, that is a perfect transition into the Bradley Award. Bradley. I'd love to hear who your Bradley is for someone who loves this musical so much. My Bradley, and for some of the reasons you were just talking about, is not not a character this time, but John Cameron Mitchell in that revival in particular. Interesting. And for this specific reason. Tell me. When I saw him, so John Cameron Mitchell injured his knee on stage and left the musical for only a week. Mm-hmm. And Michael C. Hall from Dexter played Hedwig before him. So he came back for a week to do that while John Cameron Mitchell healed. But instead of staying out of the musical until he was fully healed. A week later, he was like, I'm going to wear a knee brace and get back on that stage. Get out of here, Michael C. Hall. Oh, no. And that was when I saw it. And not explaining the leg brace or just doing a throwaway line, he made it this whole backstory, this whole thing incorporated in the musical about how he was attacked outside of the theater by someone in a Michael C. Hall wig. Oh, my God. And just incorporated the knee injury into the show a little bit too much. Like, it was like, we get the joke. We get the joke because Michael C. Hall replaced you for a week, blah, 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 blah. But it just, it was beating a dead horse. In the same sense that the Hurt Locker, the musical, I was like, okay, we get the joke. Leave it alone. Yeah, I think he's just too attached to the musical as the creator. And Mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. I think he's just too tied into it to let it go. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it was just, yeah, it was a little bit too much. So I love John Cameron Mitchell. I think he is the perfect Hedwig, but I think my Bradley is him post knee injury in that revival because he just took, I mean, honestly, I'm going to give the Bradley award to his knee injury Okay. (laughs) because they just made it so much of the show that it sort of detracted from the show itself. Yeah. All right. I am also going to give my Bradley Award to an inanimate object. So (laughs) to just so our listeners know, this is not a cast. It is Hedwig, Hedwig's lover, and that's it. There is a band and a few backup singers. So there is no ensemble. I just want to make that clear. That's why I'm not going to give it to Hedwig and I'm not going to give it to Yitza because they're both central to the plot and both good characters. So I can't give either of them the Bradley. And there is no ensemble. There's just two people. So I'm giving the Bradley Award to the Hurt Locker stage because I, again, (laughs) just thought the concept was so dumb. I would have, I have already suspended my disbelief as an audience member. I would have walked into the theater and just by the ambiance and by the book, I would have felt like I was in a punk rock concert, grungy theater show. Like that's how Mm -hmm. I would have interpreted my experience. I do not need this whole experience of why the set looks grungy and crazy and funny. I just need to see the show. I don't need a whole backstory for the set. I appreciate a good set. It's not like it's that wacky of a set either. Like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, questioned it if they had yeah, put a hundred percent if okay. they had just decorated the set the way that they did and not given mm-hmm. it any explanation i would not have questioned anything on the stage yeah same so bradley 
Graham. Mm-hmm. We're getting very creative with the Bradley Awards. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Bradley can be anything. Mm-hmm. It's true. Anyone or anything. If you believe in yourself, you, listener, could be the Bradley. Anything that's chewing up the scenery, including the scenery, counts. <laughs> the scenery in this musical is chewing up itself. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's already incredibly gay, but how mm-hmm. can we make it gayer? And so the rule is when mounting a play, keep it funny, keep it sunny, keep it gay. I have a couple ideas. Go for it. First of all, like you said, there is no ensemble. So just add in a couple more big gay homies. That was mine. Yeah. Just, yeah, just, just, and there's plenty of opportunities in the musical for big gay homos even if they play like audience members that then get a little too into it and start dancing and stuff I think that could be a way to keep it very almost immersive as you were saying but keep it more realistic and yet still incorporate some big gay homos I also think that it could be gayer in the sense that you don't really get that much of a backstory between her and Tommy, especially like you get it a little bit and how he's like coming to terms with his sexuality and that being kind of the reason that he leaves her. I think that that relationship could have been explored a little bit more. And I feel like Tommy, instead of like rejecting his homosexuality and becoming this like heterosexual rock star, maybe he does it the other way and becomes like a famous drag queen or a famous like trans performer in a wig ste- like steals her whole gig. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not just steals her songs, but steals her whole gig. I feel Even that. maybe steals her name. Yeah. Uh, yeah, especially because he got bigger for sure. Right. He yeah, he, he like like what if he stole like the look, the name, the music and then became famous as this like trans performer named Hedwig and then the real Hedwig who had this tragedy happen to her is here being like I'm the real one that's not that's not me this is me yeah I like that idea I mean for me it was just I need some big gay homos there is the fact that there's no ensemble even if we could just throw them in the back as backup singers (laughs) or again if it was a more traditional music with plot and story played out in front of me instead Mm -hmm. of explained to me I think we totally missed out on you know a bigger ensemble in this musical i get that it's supposed to be stripped down and grandier i got it but i guess i'm (laughs) just a golden age brat i love a big ensemble i love Mm -hmm. a full chorus Mm -hmm. i love 20 people plus in the cast i'm i'm all about making it as expensive as possible and also like that song the origin of love Mm -hmm. how did you feel about that song what did you think about it remind me which one that was was that the symbol one yeah it's basically about how back before time started people were these two people creatures that were connected together and they were separated. Everyone was separated. So that's why you're always looking for your soulmate. And that was the Mm -hmm. origin of love is these two shattered pieces looking for each other. I don't know. I I think it's a little too conceptual for you. It's not too heady. It's not even that it's again, when one person is explaining it to me, it's just kind of dry. Like if it was some kind of dance number or a multi. Well, that's, that was what I was getting at. That was what I was getting at. Like you, if you put big gay homo numbers in the show, that could be the big gay homo number of the show where you have all of them being separated. And then some of them in, in the movie and in the musical, they do, I think in the musical, they do like projections onto the screen, but some of the people like finding each other again, they're two men, two women, a man and a woman that could make it gayer. If you have all these big gay homos on stage, dancing around, looking for each other and then coming back together. Honestly, for a very gay musical, it could definitely be gayer. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Because we only have two super queer characters. We could definitely queer it up more with 
just the masses, the masses. <laughs> Absolutely. The big gay masses. Yeah. Well, we've reached that moment of the show, Zach. I think we have. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for... Where do we put all these big gay homos? In every musical theater casting session, there comes a time where the casting directors say, okay, we've cast all the lead characters, we've cast all the secondary characters, but we had all these incredibly talented big gay homos audition for us. We want to cast them, but where do we put them? And I usually at this point say in every musical, there comes a point where they find a place to cast them. <laughs> but as we were talking about, they don't in this one. There is none. So we're, we're going to just have to be creative with this. I have an answer anyway. I do too. And I have a good argument for my answer. Okay. Ready? Yes. Wig, Wig in, in a, a box. box. Yeah. Mm. It's because of the the big gay dancing wigs, right? In the background. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. And in the movie version, it's like a fantasy sequence where she's in like a trailer and drinking vermouth. And then the band comes in and the band is like behind her dancing around and like painting her face with makeup and stuff. Yeah. So it is in the movie. It is a big gay homo because they just incorporate the band doing all these like big gay homo movements and, and activities. Yeah. A concept alone. We're talking about getting ready, feeling sexy when you put on your big gay wigs and your big mm -hmm. gay makeup. So yes. concept alone, it's, it's screaming for an ensemble of big gay homos. Absolutely. Everybody wearing a different like funky wig or different mm -hmm. big, like Dolly Parton-esque wig. And mm -hmm. in that revival, they bring down a whole bunch of, fake heads wearing wigs that just bob back and forth. So mm -hmm. again, giving the inanimate objects a role in our podcast, they would, I guess, <laughs> yes. be the big gay homos. These yes, wigs those, that yeah. just flail around. Floating wigs are the big gay homos of this musical. Confirmed. Definitely. Yeah. Confirmed. Yeah. Because, yeah, the song is basically about transforming in whoever you want to be. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Yeah. And it is definitely the gayest song. And side note, one of my go-to musical theater audition songs, if I need a rock song. Yeah, so. that's a good one. And it off is. the beaten path, too. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's no, you're not going to hear anybody else singing that song in an audition. I think that's the thing, too, I was just disappointed about is there's like that Sugar Daddy song so could have been another big gay homo number. Yes. That's a, such a big gay homo song. And we just don't get there. Mm -hmm. So I think I, I think I'm just being a snob about it. I get it as a concept piece. I get it like I'm going to see a rock show and I'm watching this character unravel. Mm -hmm. Cool. But if I'm going to the theater, I want a show, God damn it, with at yeah. least 15 big gay homos splitzing and splurting <laughs> around. OK, splitzing that's what I'm and splurting. And splurting. Make of that what you will. <laughs> but that, that's what I want to see when I go to the theater. God damn it. I want my money's worth. I can see, especially in the LGBTQ community, it's very empowering. I can see that. Mm -hmm. For me, just as a snobby musical theater goer, it is not for me. The reason I like it is outside of the musical theater realm. I think it was ahead of its time in the way it handles body dysmorphia and mm -hmm. trans issues and starts that whole conversation over 10 years before it was in even the public mindset at all before the mainstream yeah. public had any even way of talking about that sort of thing. I 100% can see that. And mm -hmm. yeah, and John Cameron Mitchell even says Hedwig isn't trans, but Hedwig does kind of defy gender. And, right. I, and I do like that conversation about being gender queer. Mm -hmm. Like, why does everything have to have 
a label? Why do you have to identify as something? Can't you just wear what you want to wear and do what you want to do and be who you want to be without having to slap a label on it? And that musical definitely does this. Mm -hmm. Well, that brings us to the end. And listeners, no matter what way you identify, please remember to like and subscribe to Keep It Gay, a musical theater podcast. We have one more week of musicals that we're thankful for, and then it brings us into our Christmas and holiday season. Yay! And I think you guys are going to really like the last pick for our thankful musical. So Mm -hmm. in the meantime, share this podcast with your family and your friends, and above all, keep it gay, guys. Keep it gay. Bye. No, it's pronounced the Ooby Awards. The Ooby Awards, <laughs> yes. So.